All righty. What we're going to do, we, uh, we've got about uh, 20 or 25 minutes before we get into what we uh, use as a crutch of this service. So I thought I'd just ask a couple of questions as to start getting into a message, which simply means that I'd get to tell you what the message was about. So uh, if you have any questions, let's just freeze it to the last uh, two Sunday mornings. Fear of the Lord. People freak out when you talk about the fear of the Lord because they have a one-track-minded. Listen, God is a 3D God. But we get a one-track mind in that we don't see 3D. We see 1D. So when we say the fear of the Lord, people say, well, I don't fear God. I love God, and he loves me. Well, that's absolutely true. But the, the, the love of God catches all fear out. Well, in portion, because we found that out last week. In portion, it cast it out. But, so I want to talk about these, like, colliding viewpoints of God's fear. The fear of the Lord. Where does the fear of the Lord come from? Well, man, buddy, you see God in here, terror and all that. You're right. There is that. Because the Bible says some saved by fear. They preach hell, and they preach it real. They preach it hot. People become convicted, and they get fearful to fall into the hands of a living God. But is that where the fear of the Lord to the believer would come? See, that takes place before they come to Christ. But is that the kind of fear that rules us with God? Remember that the fear of the Lord does what? Deuteronomy says that the fear of the Lord is that we keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. Therefore, we fear the Lord our God. So any type of disobedience, now hold on to your hat because you're, you're oh my gosh, I'm never going to make it to heaven. Yes, you are. But if we don't preach an overall gospel, then understand that you just live a lukewarm, flaked-out gospel. The gospel is something we strive for, forgetting those things that are behind, and we fight and we press toward the high prize of the high calling of God. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, any disobedience... Any action taken out of faith, any action taken contrary to the scripture means this. You fear your outcome more than you fear God. Why would a child steal a car from their mother and father when they said, don't do it, but their friends come over and they end up stealing the car. Who did they fear? Their yep, you're right. They feared their friends. Who did they love more at that moment? Their Thank you. Where does love come from? Where does fear come from? Before you're born again, it comes from the dismal judgment of the ungodly. But after you come to God, Remember what fear is. Fear is not just a trembling. Fear is respect, honor, 
It is a reverence. It is an uplifting. It is a voluntary, a voluntary. See, you can love God, and if you love him, keep his commandments. Or you don't have to love God. It doesn't change God. Your end changes. Amen? God doesn't make anybody love you. God doesn't make anybody fear him. So it must be honorary, and it must be free will. So it must be governed or given birth by something. Before you're a believer, it's given birth by the terrible end of those that reject God. Right? Okay. Then when we get born again, we find or discover his love. Right? Now... We fear, reverence, respect, submit to, give a high place of rule, willfully. Why? Because we love him, because he first loved us. Could I have 1 John 4, 17 on the screen? Now, people have different dimensions and different levels of God, mm-hmm. of fear of the Lord. Now, this passage of Scripture says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may be bold in the day of judgment. Somebody say, in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, this is the love of God bringing us to a place of perfection. Perfection simply means a void of fear, a place of boldness in judgment. Somebody say in judgment. That's the mercy seat of Christ. The mercy seat of Christ. Now let's go to 1 John 4.18. There, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, you have read that, that in the love of God there is no fear. That's not what that Bible said. That's not what that said. Read what it said. Read what it said. God's love is not even the subject. The subject is there is no fear but perfect love. Now, what is the subject of verse 17? In our, thank you, Eric, our love. Thank you, Eric. May have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Next verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, it didn't say because God's love has no fear, which is a reality. But God's love doesn't do you any good until you embrace it. As a fact. As a fact. It says, he that feareth is not made perfect in what? In God's love. But when we fear or are dominated by other things that cause us to make choices contrary to the nature, the spirit, or the word and the will of God... You are filled with fear. Mm. 
If you believe that God loves you, no matter what the enemy is throwing at you, you will say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And you won't murmur after you've said it. But I just don't know why all this is happening. I'm telling you, I just can't. What is that? That's double mouthness. Stop. Amen. Amen. But if you believe that God loves you, can you commit to his way of dealing with something in life and bind or stop the rule of fear? Yes. yes. But what if you start and you fail? Then you try again. Amen. Because love is a growth. The Bible says that we are to grow in love that we may operate in judgment honestly or Amen. purely. Amen. So we are to grow in love. Not that you're not going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But you continually grow. You find out where your revelation or weaknesses in God's love for you are, and you repair them. Amen. And every time you repair them, you begin to imprison fear. Remember, Jesus says, Father, into thy hand do I commend my spirit. What was that? No fear. The Father that sent me, he is with me because I do all things that are pleasing unto him. Jesus had a revelation. It doesn't matter where you send me, what you do to me, put me in the ground, kill me on the cross, it doesn't matter. Father, into your hands do I commend my spirit. In other words, God, my life and my future lies within your hands he had love therefore he had no fear now Peter was petrified of what was going to happen in that he tried to kill the people that were incorporating Jesus's judgment he cut off a man's ear why because he feared the outcome of judgment which meant he really did not believe that if Jesus went through what he told him he was going to go through, that he would ever raise again. Amen. That proved it on the road to Damascus when they were all hiding because they did not believe he was alive. They thought he's dead for sure. Right? So, and they ran. Now, why did they run? Fear. Why did they run in fear? Because they did not have enough faith in Jesus' declaration of God's love for him that says, no matter what they do to me, in three days I shall rise again. Amen. So every time that we go through something, we, if, just think of this. Let's put it, let's put it real simple. Phyllis, you got one task, one task test is coming your way if you don't do it the right way it is a proclamation that you fear men instead of God now here it comes what are you going to do I'm gonna, I'm gonna fear God. you're going to do, 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 <laughs> you're going to fear God yeah. how are you going to fear God I'm gonna do what his word says. Uh, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go and find what God said 
to do. That will be the first declaration that I fear God more than man. Right? Don't take it by chance. Oh, I, I know what to do. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But how about if you just go to the scriptures and get a confirmation? Amen. Be nice to hear things done again. How many of you have been to the grocery store for your, husband, your wife? Husband, it don't matter what you bring home. Oh, hi, hi, honey. Oh, uh, it was a loaf of pickle loaf, uh, white, panina loaf, uh, hash wheat bread, right? No, it was not pimento loaf. It's bologna bread. And it's slash the old kind. It's half price and it's on sale because it's a week old. Amen. Get that kind of bread. Yeah, amen. So you come home with Wonder Bread. What were you thinking? I, I forgot. You've got a phone, right? Yeah, then why didn't you use it? Well, I thought I knew. That's why I got you a phone. You don't know anything. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you younger guys think, oh, my wife would never do that. Wait till you get married. Some of you women think, oh, I never do that, my husband. Sure, right. It's in your DNA. And now, and so if you don't check, David, if I've been with you, I'd say, oh, yeah, well, we, I need this and I need... David, I better call and ask Phyllis. Why? Because I fear Phyllis more than I fear David. And it will just go on and on and on and on and on. And on, Amen. and on, oh, and on. It now becomes the part of her elephant memory. And ain't nothing leaving that mess in there, buddy. Because some way that elephant brain connects it with everything. It's just like when we got married. Buddy, you just had to be a little late, didn't you? You just don't put no value in me. You ain't changed one bit. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Is your wife like that? <laughs> now, now, if you had one chance, if you had one chance, what would you do? Well, let me tell you something. Everything that comes your way is one chance. Because if you prove yourself unfaithful in that one, God is not going to sacrifice you to be tempted to do it again. Every Instance is training ground. You either prove yourself faithful or you prove yourself unfaithful. Well, what if I missed it? You go back, you repent, you make restitution if you can, but then you wait for God to see you faithful again. Oh, God doesn't do that. 
Oh, yes, God does. Absolutely. He's not going to put anything more on you than you can handle. Now, you just broke down. So just tell me what part of that scripture God's going to break just to make you comply. He'd rather have you a 20-fold Christian than to promote you to a 60-fold Christian and you lose your soul. Yep. One thing I'm confident of, God will not sacrifice me for you. I may sacrifice myself for you, but God will never sacrifice me for you. My salvation is more important to him than anybody's salvation. And so is yours. If not, he throws you under the bus at any given time. But I'm not going under the bus. Now, I may put myself under the bus, but God will never throw me under the bus. Because, see, he's faithful to me, and he's faithful to you. So, the fear of God is born out of a deep, deep, knowing, discovering, revelation, livable love for God. You love God as much as you fear him. And you fear him as much as you love him. Now, Bob, are you afraid of Joan? Now, before you answer that, I know you're going to say no. But why? Why? Now, wait a second. Why do you not do things that would hurt her or cause her to be displeased? Why would you reverence her opinion, reverence her value, give her honor when she ain't even really got a dog in the stinking fight at your decision and she ain't going to buck you? What makes you reverence, honor, fear, respect, give her a voice in your life even though you don't have to have it? You love her. It's not hard to say, Bob. You can say it in front of everybody. I love Joan White. Go ahead and say it, Bob. I love her. You love what? Joan White. Joan White. Boy, he can't hardly even get it out. I'm telling you, the man choking on his word. Now, that's the same thing. God doesn't make me fear him. I choose to put God in an honorary place of rule just like my confession puts Christ there. It's choice. And so I fear the Lord because I love him. Now, you know what? His voice in something I'm doing, like buying golf balls or something, may not even mean it. Who, who cares? I'm going to buy the kind of golf balls I want. But more times than not, I'm going to say, God, should I buy these? And he might say, no, don't get them here. Okay. Then I go someplace else and find them on sale. Then I hear this, now buy two dozen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, why would I ask that? Because God, it doesn't matter to God one hoot. But when I fear him, then what's going to happen is he's going to show 
his love to me. But if I fear everything else, then love comes to an abrupt halt. There is no contradiction whether God is a God of fear or love. They're interchangeable. And if you love God, you'll fear God. David, you, I'm, I'm sure you, you love Sharon, and I know you're afraid of her. Uh, Nikki, why do you uh, do what I want you to do? Because you love me, and she honors me. Right. Why does Eric do what he does? Well, he makes the big bucks. Yeah, right. He does it because he loves me but because he gives me that place of willful honor and respect. So when, when people say, oh, I, I, I just don't understand the love of God. Well, you need to understand it because it'll pr- produce his rulership in your life. And then you will fear him and you will walk in his statutes, admonition, and his judgment. You say, I thought they did that our terror. Listen. Terror cannot rule people. You remember the China Square where they were running over people with tanks? You'd think that those people would have been afraid and ran. They stood knowing that within a 10-second frame, they were going to be run over by a tank. And they stood there. You can't dominate people by fear. God can't rule people by fear. God never has tried to rule people by fear. People had just never understood who God is and what fear is. And it's entirely different than the fear of man. The fear of man is intimidation and oppression and oppressive rule. God is none of that. Could I get an amen? All right. So praise God. All right. We're going to uh, do, do what? No, no. Come, come up here. We aren't going to do questions. I already preached. Yeah, hallelujah. And you got enough out of that that's worth something. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to be going over some of the things of... Uh, sit down there, Phyllis, love. Where do you get those clothes? I do not fear man. Well, if you loved me, you would. So, I see that. Well, evidently I don't. Right? That's right. Amen. So, the first thing we want to reiterate are the values of our church. Yes. And the first thing that we always want to put above everything is pleasing God with all that we do. And so, it requires faith. Faith is not moved by the evidence it sees, but it is moved by the evidence that is promised. There are two types of evidence, that which you see and that which is eternal that will become evident. Right. So we always want to live by faith. And, uh, you know, we've talked about faith for the last two or three months, but we've talked about it entirely different, yeah. that we haven't used it just for things, but that we've used it for family, we're using it for friends, for the unbeliever, yes. for yes. things of the kingdom of God, and uh, even to change us, faith to change us. And uh, the second thing that is a priority in our church are relationships. 
Relationships can be confusing, to say the least. But relationships are necessary. Even relationships where you have to train others to be Christians or raise others up to your level. You know, some people say, well, you know, they're just a shallow Christian. Well, you know, they're just a new Christian. Then if you know that, then you take it on yourself as a brother or a sister yes. to nurture them and raise them up. Yes. People are never a weight around your neck. Sin is, but not people. You hear me? Anytime that you get too tired to invest in people, it's time that you're just becoming useless. We, we cannot do that, please. Right, right. People are important. Amen. And if you don't tattoo people with your life, then your life will leave, be spent without ever leaving an image that you've been here. And I don't want that. I know you don't want that. I know that Jesus doesn't want that because after Jesus' death, they said, these are Christians. So we, we have to build relationships. We have to stabilize and strengthen our families, stabilize and strengthen our marriages, stabilize and strengthen our children, and stabilize and strengthen our relationship with our church, and with our brothers and sisters in that church, as well as outside of the church. So we believe in those things. The third thing that we believe in is rescuing, being rescuers or going after that which is lost. Not just waiting for it to stumble through the door. No. Stumbling through the door is fine and dandy, but... I'll say this, it's hard to know if somebody gets born again at an altar. They may be under conviction, but I don't know how much of their heart that they're persuaded in what they are doing. We are leading in what they're saying and all that kind of stuff. But when you're outside of a church, you get to talk to people. And you get to explain Christianity to them. Not just in a moment of time, not just in 10 seconds that, you know, if you're here today and you aren't a Christian, you know, you need Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Okay, yeah, man, I'm feeling something. I don't know what it is. I want to get saved. Well, maybe that's salvation to them. Maybe it's not. But if you are one-on-one one, one -on -one or outside or something like that, you get to share Jesus. And you get to tell them what it's all about. Sometimes in crusades, uh, Eric will tell you, I, uh, I say, if you want to receive Jesus, they come forth by the thousands. And I say, no, send them back. They didn't even understand. And finally, I tell them, tell them this. If you want to get saved, you have to give up everything. You have to love Jesus more than you love your mother and father. You've got to abandon everything that you own. You've got to follow him at all costs. You can never say no. You've got to go forward. If it costs you your life, you've got to be willing to give it and lay it down. And they come again by the thousands upon the thousands upon thousands. Now, you don't want to do that in America because they just say, oh, Lord Jesus, I ain't going there, man. Uh, no. So where do we get to discover this? That's in outside when we rescue people. 
rescue people. And everybody that you come in contact with, I'll guarantee you, 90% of them need rescued. They need rescued just like John told that woman about Jesus. She needed rescue from grief. She needed rescue from something that was going to hold her bound all of her life. Only Jesus can break that. People that, that we run into out on the street, you, you don't even know them. Man, I, I mean, they, Lord, we're running people. They got everything going on. I think, my word, why did we even talk to those people? I feel bad. I, I mean, people are dying. People have cancer. Their children have cancer. They're dying. We're, all these people need help. They need salvation. And Jesus can help them. Well, wonder if their son still dies, then he'll comfort them. And he'll bring them through it. But we have to share. I believe in being rescuers. And we, we cannot entrust the salvation of the world to anybody but us. That's right. That's correct. Because if you don't witness to them, Phyllis and I made a grave mistake when we were young in the Lord. Yes, we did. We were buying this piece of property, the first nine acres of yep. this building. Yep. And uh, we were di- buying it from Dr. And Ackerman. And that mistake still haunts us to this day. And tells uh, you this. the realtor came to our house and uh, he said, uh, Pastor Dosak, I just wanted to bring this $500 check to you. I said, wow. I said, well, the, brother, you didn't need to do that, he said. But he just showed up without anything. He wasn't oh, yeah, doing yeah. the. Oh, no, no. He, he wasn't, wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing the land or anything like that. He just showed <clears throat> up at our house one day. Yeah. And he said, I wanted to bring you this $500 check. And uh, the land we'd bought for uh, 45000 And uh, I said, oh, Mr. Engelhop, you didn't have to do that. He said, no. You know, I, I really want to. He said, I really want to give you this. And so we said, okay. And he was sitting at our t- kitchen table, so it was a comfortable situation. And uh, I don't know if we were too busy. I don't no, know. we were intimidated by who he was. Yeah. We were young Christians, and we were intimidated by who he was because he was a well-known, high, whatever, falutin, you know, realtor. And we felt we were nobody, you know? Just two little, one little hillbilly and whatever you are. A hillbilly supporter. There you go. And, uh, <clears throat> but that man left our house. Well, no, wait a minute. God spoke to me and told me to witness to him. I didn't do it. God spoke to him. I didn't know God spoke to him and told him to witness to him, and he didn't do it. And the man died. How many? Just a couple of days later, had a heart attack, massive heart attack, and died instantly. So we, that really bothers us. Yes, it does. To this day. Yep. Because we were not obedient to yep. do what God asked us to do. Yep. Because we feared, of man. we feared man. Yep. We feared yep. man and not God. Yep. Yep. And uh, so, but we believe in being rescuers. And uh, you have to make that decision, but everybody should make it. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Yes. And then we got some other things to talk about. Uh, and you know what? I'm not intimidated by any of them now. I, I got my uh, physician saved in Lima. I got him saved. 
Remember Dr. Ackerman that yep. sold us this land? Mm -hmm. I, yes. I witnessed to him, yeah. got him saved, and, you know, so I, I, I'm not intimidated by any of them anymore. Yep, that's and right. And don't you be intimidated. No, amen. Nope. Uh, don't forget that messy Sunday is going to be uh, June the 30th, and I really like that messy Sunday. Uh, last one was great, and uh, so we're going to have another one uh, June the 30th. And then uh, I really want you uh, as a congregation to join me in this adventure that I'm going to kick off here in another month or so. I am going to uh, do something different on Wednesday nights. Still going to preach, going to do all that, but we are going to encourage you to join me as we learn to pray. Now you might say, well, I know how to pray, just talk to God. Yep, I know that. And that's, I guess that's an all-encompassing catch net. <laughs> but I want to learn how to pray successfully. You say, well, man, you've been praying. Yes, I have. I've been praying for lots of years. I've prayed for lots of things. Um, you know, believe God for lots of things. Uh, you know, but I believe I have just as many unanswered prayers as I do answered ones. I think that has to do with my concentration, my value of what I'm praying about. But it may have also to do a lot of how to approach God in a way to put him in the remembrance of everything that I'm talking about. Yeah, he says, put me in the remembrance right. of my word. So what we're word. going to be doing is we are going to be buying you a book that you will go with me for like a month through this book. Now, some of you is going to be learning how to pray for your husband. Husbands praying for your wives, parents praying for children, uh, people just praying overall, how to pray for a breakthrough, how to pray for finances and things of that nature. What we're going to do is we're going to open it up and we're going to have like probably five, six, seven books, and that will be your invitation to read that book every week, every day with me. Then when we come together on Wednesdays, what we're going to do is we're going to break up in discussion. Meaning you say, well, why? Because prayer is not natural. Prayer is not natural. Communication isn't even natural. You have to learn it and you have to be taught it. Now, women gab. I'm not saying that's communication. They just gab. For men, it's not what, natural. What, what, do you, what, what's your, what, what does your mama say it is? What? You're just talking to hear your head, head rattle. Head rattle. Yeah, she's from the South. She said, honey, you're just talking to hear your head rattle. Yep. There you go. The woman's vernacular. So, in it, and you know I'm kidding. Now, the, uh, but we're going to discuss and we're going to learn how to be an effective person of prayer. The Bible says a righteous man's prayer avails much. Yeah. If one righteous man opened up one nation, closed it and opened it back up and brought revival, 
we, we need a lesson on righteousness. We need to be able to pray. And I want to get answers. I want to get more answers than I've ever had. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I get answers, but I want answers. I want answers to change a nation. I mean, I want God to fall on my world. I want God to touch me. I want God to touch everybody around me. And I've, I've got big prayers. I'm praying that when I put my foot on the soil of a land at an airport, that as my, the weight of my foot goes out and sends vibrations out, that as I walk, people everywhere, as I'm walking by, are going to have revival. Amen. I'm talking about they'll just fall down and get saved. I'm talking about the sick will just jump up and be healed. You know, I tried this in the Philippines where I said, I'm not going to pray for anybody on this crusade field. And I didn't. I didn't pray one person. I didn't pray for one person. But people started getting healed. The blind, the deaf, the dumb. They all just started getting healed. Cripples just started walking. And my agreement was with God was this. You know what, God? You said whatever I ask. So I ought to be able to ask God, heal every person on this field. And if he will honor that prayer, which he did then, if he will honor that prayer, then guess what? All of those people will be saved. Amen. And it won't be about whether the guy up front prayed or not. It'll all be about Jesus was on this field. Amen. Amen. So yeah. that's where I'm using my faith. But I'm, I'm praying for big stuff. And, uh, but... I'll tell you what, I don't think I've arrived, not near arrived, and I'm going to relearn what I thought I knew. I am going to relearn. The disciples said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So evidently there is a way for us to learn to pray, and we can't ever get to the point that we think we know right, everything. Right. Amen? Right. All right, so I'm going to ask you in a month or so to uh, sign up for that book club. And it's going to take commitment. It means that if you tell me, yeah, you're, I'm by that book, that you're going to have to be honest and faithful and do it. Then you're going to have to show up here on Wednesday night. Well, why can't I do it? No, no, no. And we are going to create a prayer army that will be able to shake these Absolutely. nations and, and our nation for the gospel of Jesus And invite Christ. other people. Yes, invite absolutely. your neighbors and stuff. You know, say, "Hey, we're talking about prayer, and everybody needs prayer. You need prayer. I need yep. prayer. We all need, whether we they're sinners or not." Yep. And say, "I just want to invite you. We got it like a book club tonight, talking about prayer. They'll come to a book club, probably." Yep. Amen. <laughs> At least you can try it. And then uh, we want to give you some information about the Easter offering. We were believing God for forty thousand uh, dollars. And it here coming up, honey. Sorry. I'm reading this. Do you, do you see Eric here? Yeah, he's right over there. Do you see him here? No, he's right over there. Who is here? Who started reading this note? You did. Thank you. Now, sorry for the commercial. Uh, Easter offering uh, collected was, uh, and we were leaving for 40000 It was $40,418.74. Yep. 
And Dave, if you'd give 26 cents, we could make that $419. Okay. And uh, then uh, what you're going to begin to see uh, in the uh, next couple of months, hopefully, we're going to, you're going to start seeing changes to the stage. And uh, so if you're like Phyllis and I, we think, oh, man, oh, man, we, oh, God, you ain't going to change the stage. Uh, but you know what? We are. And uh, it may not be to our liking, but... Because we're old. <laughs> yes, you're right. So what I'm trying to say is old people, don't get mad, chill out. The softness of your pew has not changed. The view has. Okay? I'm just telling you, people can get cantankerous. Amen? And, well, it's uh, not that. It's just they, they sit, look at it and they say, well, it's beautiful. Why did you change it? You it, know? Is, it is beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. I, I agree. Uh, we get comments on it all the time. All the time. But we want to rev it up. Don't you get remodeled every once in a while? Every now and then, yes. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get remodeled. I'm and, trying uh, to remodel you, and you're not listening. Yeah, well, we're going to have lights and all that kind of stuff, not the strobe lights, <laughs> so the old people be going in and out of seizures. We're not going to do that. Uh, but uh, uh, lights, et cetera, are uh, going to be in progress, and uh, the estimates and the drawings are already coming. And uh, so... That's, that's going to be something that's going to begin to happen. Now, remember, we've been telling you this is going to happen. So, uh, don't, I can't believe you did this. Please believe me. It's coming near you soon. And uh, one time I rode a motorcycle down the center aisle up on the stage. You remember that? Yes. Preached the message, born to be lawless. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, uh, and a couple, and I advertised it for a month. When I did it, a couple said, I can't believe you did that. I said, you thought I was lying to you? Well, I just could not believe you were going to do what you said. I thought, why would anybody come to a church knowing their preacher was lying? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and then uh, this, again, is going to be our family connection night. We're going to be praying. And then uh, where we are with the uh, one million souls with a PDM. Eric and I have traveled ourselves tired. And uh, Eric, you want to come up here? And Eric is a statistic man. Oh, now you're going to let him. On my terms. I know, man. All right. <laughs> yeah, so far, year to date, uh, we have seen over 300,000 people come to Christ in Crusades yes. all around the world. We have literally flown four times around the world on a plane so far this year alone. And to reach a million souls, we're going to have to fly about another four more times around the world the second half of the year. So we're going to pray for strength and grace for Pastor and please for Brother Eric as well to do that. Yeah. We're willing to do it on course for God and obviously to be your emissaries. Because be mindful, everybody, every person that comes to Christ is being added to your account. Yeah. As you allow us to go, you pray for us and support us financially. We're able to go out there and pull the nets in in levels that we have seen close to 3.3 million people come to Christ so far in the last decade. That's a lot of people coming to yep. Christ. And that, yep. we give God praise for that. And lots of miracles. Lives have been changed. We've seen over 55,000 pastors revolutionized with faith to go out and preach the gospel, do crusades. Uh, we're seeing 
They're seeing blind eyes come open, deaf ears come unstopped. We're producing miracle workers all around the world. Uh, literally 250,000 children's lives have been affected by what we've done around the world internationally. We have yep. dug uh, 11 water wells right now. We've built three orphanages. So it's amazing, but we couldn't do it without your prayers and your financial support. So we have a, we've won 300,000 so far this year, but 700,000 is worth what we're shooting for for the second half this year. So be praying with us, agreeing with us yep. that we can do that. And, uh, of course, as the Lord touched your heart, we appreciate any support you can give us as well so we can do it. Uh, the gospel is free, but it takes us lots of money to, to get these places and, and to get the gospel out. So yeah. thank you for all you do. Yep. And uh, we uh, are scheduled, I think, in September yes. to uh, preach to about a... you got two big meetings in September. One is you're going to preach to... Um, Pastor George Lindhaus has a, a fellowship in Brazil that he oversees 18,000 full gospel pastors. Pastor preached for him... Am I talking too long? I'm sorry. Yep, I apologize. I'll speed it up. Um, pastor preached for him last year, and he was so affected by the message. He said, I want you to come back when I have my big pastor's meeting. So pastor had a chance to influence uh, nearly 18,000 pastors in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Think about that. They're going to go back to their congregations and preach a faith and preach a gospel that's going to change their lives. And then just three weeks after that, we're going to be in Kapala, Uganda, where a pastor will be preaching to over 40,000 pastors. So in the month of September, we have the chance to minister close to 60,000 pastors. We've touched 55,000 pastors in 10 years. In one month alone, we have the chance to touch yeah. 60,000. That's yeah. We give God praise for that. Yeah, amen. That's uh, So uh, hopefully we'll... Uh, get a PDM partners get behind us and be able to Amen. print books and uh, yeah, they call it a buck a book so that'll be 40,000 bucks uh, but you know what I believe it can be done yes, again. and uh, it will change those people's lives uh, we will probably also get uh, things made for them to be able to put on their computers you bet. instead of hard copies yep. and uh, all that kind of stuff but it all just takes money and, uh, you know, PDM has stood on its uh, own. And, uh, you know, we believe that it's still going to stand on its own. We aren't uh, taking the congregation's money and doing that. Right. We believe in our own. And God's blessed us uh, with people that have helped us. Amen. And uh, we, we spend it as fast as they bring it in. <laughs> well, again, and, and, and uh, the, the beauty of what we do, Pastor, we, try, we, yeah. we can win souls in most cases for about 25 cents a soul. So. Yeah. We try to be as frugal as we can. Um, yeah. I, I, I've helped many national ministries do crusades, and sometimes I bring teams of 30 and 40 and 50 people out. It's pretty much just Pastor and I doing these crusades. So we try to watch every dollar that goes out this door yeah. to be as frugal as we possibly can. Yep. And uh, let me see. So that is that. And what else am I supposed to do? Oh, what? Oh, the good news. They don't want good news. Yeah, it is all good news. So here is something that we have been doing <clears throat> uh, that, you know, a lot of you have been involved in. Some of you haven't. Um, but Eric's going to talk to you about the Jubilee uh, offering. And uh, it goes to show about the stewardship uh, of our church and the stewardship of the people that are involved uh, in finances and things of that nature. 
So, Eric, you can take it on. Okay. First of all, I want to thank the congregation because the Easter offering, we were shooting for 40000 Pastor mentioned we brought in over $40,000. Yep. So we want to thank God and you for sowing the seeds because uh, it's going to make a difference yep. in people's lives that come into this for church. The Jubilee offering is an offering that we use to pay the debt on this building. Um, we have a new tracker out in the foyer. So as you go out of church tonight, if you want to look at the new poster out in the main foyer plus the hallways, what we're doing now is we're going to show you how we're paying off our bonds. Now, we have an issue, a bond issuer called Ziegler. They're the leading bond issuer for nonprofits based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And they turn down 20 out of every 21 ministries that come to them because they're so scrupulous on who they select. We were honored to be one of the 21 that are accepted by them. And we've been with them for several years. We've refinanced on a couple of occasions, and we were able to save the church on those two refinances $1.1 million. That was yep. Yep. a good thing. God was good to us there. But the exciting news is this. We're getting ready to pay off two of the longest-term bonds uh, to Ziegler. One bond is issued at $172,000, and the second bond is issued at $166,000. $166, so in on or before June 10th, we're going to pay $338,000 to Ziegler and cut our debt by that amount of money, Yeah, uh, which is also and going to save. And that takes off how many years? That will take off a full year, Pastor, but it's, going to re it's also going to reduce our monthly payments by a substantial amount. So uh, we are working hard and being as wise stewards as we possibly can, but we once again want to thank you, the congregation, because it's you in action. It's your faith being demonstrated because the quicker we can pay this building off allows us to do that much for people to touch our communities. We, want to, we have people coming from 75 cities and 10 counties, and if we don't have to pay a building mortgage, we can take those monies and do so much more to reach more people. Yeah. So we appreciate all your, all your faithfulness. We appreciate your giving. Many of you have given very sacrificially, and yeah. God sees that. And God's going to reward you back because of what you've done. So uh, out of that Jubilee offering, uh, plus what the... Uh, ice woman over there uh, has scrounged off the top and kept the congregation has raised how much uh, we raised three hundred thirty eight thousand dollars three hundred thirty eight thousand uh, dollars to pay towards our mortgage yeah okay spill your guts all right well I, I wasn't going to divulge all, all, all everything here but uh, in addition to that, it's actually $250,000 in addition to that. So what we're doing is we're retiring two bonds, but based upon the covenants we signed with Ziegler, we're, we're being asked to hold $250,000 in cash. It's in protection for the people who get the bonds so that we're not going to spend so much money that we, they can't, we can't pay our loans, and in turn, they can't pay, they can't pay the bond issue. Really, we've raised over a half a million dollars, but we have to keep $250,000 cash on the sidelines, and we're, but we're able to take off two of the longest bonds, which are being termed at 6.5%. So um, also want to make sure you're aware when you go out and see the Jubilee Tracker. So let's give God praise for that. Over half a million dollars have been raised half and saved yep. uh, because of, again, your faithful giving. The other thing I want to bring to your attention is if you go out and look at the Jubilee Tracker now, there's going to be a number now on the very, very top. The number now of the bond we're looking to retire or pay off is $161,000. So as you go out there, there's going to be percentages. So let's say 10% would be $16,000. 20% would be $32,000. So as you see that number and you see the percentages going up, 
No, that's where we stand before we retire our next six-month bond. So we thought that might be easier and more palatable for the congregation to see and understand. And again, use your, our faith together. Oh, beautiful. So that's what's going to look like out there. So uh, as we retire that bond, a new number will go to the very, very top. And again, we're going to tackle the next one. So we're hoping to cut our uh, payment terms back to Ziegler by several years as we continue to faithfully sow towards this and retire these bonds and pay Ziegler off, hopefully much sooner than ever expected. So we just want to say again, thank you. We want to yep. give the praise report that uh, as we're doing our best to be financial stewards uh, of the resources you give hard to pay off these debts so we can do more for the kingdom right here in our backyard. Amen? Yep. Amen. Yep, so uh, with uh, shaving off and uh, with the giving of the congregation, we've raised uh, over a half a over million dollars. Over half a million dollars, Pastor. And uh, uh, that's probably over about a five-year five term. Five-year five term. Years. Five so years. Uh, the other good point about that is, is that Phyllis hasn't run off with the money. And, uh, she's still here. Yep, she's still here. So that says something about my charisma. So, but we want to thank you for that. And uh, know, know this, that we are, you know, we're just, we are just pushing forward because this uh, message of the kingdom is going to go around and uh, we're going to be sending miracle workers all around the world. Uh, Amen. You know, we even... If Jesus doesn't come in my lifetime, somebody be walking on my grave preaching the gospel. And that's what it's all about. It's not about just us. It's about our generations to come so Amen. that there's always a voice to Amen. our community. And if anybody has any questions, further questions, I'm typically at the Welcome Center after service Wednesday night, Sunday morning. So feel free to ask any questions you might have. I'd be happy to, to respond. Yeah. All right. So uh, then let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we're supposed to... Uh, we do encourage you to start practicing rescuing people that are backslid and stuff like that to reach out to them and win them to Christ. Folks, we, we just cannot let people walk by us and not tell them about Jesus. We, we just can't do it. And even in your section, if you see somebody that had been coming to church, David, and they're not coming anymore, and you wonder, where are they? You know, sometimes they pull back. And you just need to go and encourage them, lift them up, and get them back in church. Look, folks, listen. It doesn't take much mm -mm. to cripple a racehorse, one stone. Right. It doesn't take much to offend most people. And, uh, and most people are going through everything in life, and when they run into one person, that's the offense part. And it's not them at all. It's just life. And so, you know, you still just reach out to them and, uh, Absolutely. you know, get people into the kingdom, get people saved, get them born again, and uh, get them back on track because Amen. lots of people just, you know, they just drift, they just fall off. It's kind of like an apple has been hanging too long, it just drops. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we just encourage you, look, the world needs us and Jesus is behind us and he mm -hmm. is in us so we need to take the gospel right. to the world right. okay? okay amen praise God all right so what we're going to do is we're going to have the what oh I'm sorry did you talk that much I did pastor I'm sorry I got long with everybody boy oh boy
it was you throwing your, that's right, praise God. I thought there for a second it might have been me, right, hallelujah. All right, so we are giving you an update, and uh, so we just, there are a lot of things going on in the church, a lot of changes going on. A lot of changes, and, uh, yes, sir. So uh, we will uh, see you Sunday morning, and uh, let's pray for him, fellas. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every member of every family that is here. We pray, God, from those that are the smallest, God, to those that are the oldest. God, they are all valuable to us and to you. We ask, God, that you would touch families, touch parents to touch children, touch children to touch parents, touch families to touch other families. And, God, we ask that you bless and you prosper these people. And, God, we just ask that God's best would be upon them. God, make a way where there are no ways. God, do that which is impossible, which means only you can do it. And, God, we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.